Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome into the Haunting University podcast, coming to you live from the Rocky Mountain Haunters podcast studios. I'm John Schultz with my co-host, Keone Hutton. Hi. That, that's all you got? That's all you got? I, I had a nice introduction for everyone. And that's, I was going to let you keep going. That's, that's all you got is hi? Well, you see, but if you do go longer, then I can come up with some other things to say. Oh, so you were stumped is what you're saying. <laughs> see, I, I see where you're going there. But we want to thank everyone for, for tuning into our podcast and bringing it on. You know, we are less than 100 days from Halloween now. So the season to kind of start getting ready, getting everything set up is is upon us. In that spirit, we're going to spend today talking about construction techniques and ways that you can easily and affordably uh, build the haunt in your own home. One thing I want to point out, I mean, as far as just as far as this podcast goes, as far as the open goes and the general knowledge for today's construction goes, I'm on a very large amount of painkillers, so I'm I'm going to do the best to hold it together that I can. But uh, if you just hear random sounds, just just ignore it. It's fine. I'll do my best to edit them out during post production. Aww, I do what I can. Mm. So yeah, talking about construction today. In preparing for your haunted house, you're going to be constructing a number of things, from props to costumes to uh, special effects. But the type of construction we're really concerned with in this episode is uh, building the haunted house itself, creating a location for you to place your haunt within. There are three major components that we want to talk about in more detail in this podcast. That's uh, building your floor, building your walls, or building your ceiling. You won't necessarily need all of these components at any given time, uh, but there are some advantages to using them. So of those three, John, which do you think is the uh, probably least critical for any given haunt? I mean, this is just a guess because obviously I'm a construction novice. I guess I would stake ceiling because obviously you want a safe uh, you want a safe floor for them to walk along, one that directs them in the right space, and you want the walls to be sure you know if you can break up your haunt into into pieces, utilizing this the space the best. Um, that's, 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 I, that's actually an interesting what? point that uh, you brought up. I was actually going to say floor. Uh, floor, in most cases, you're probably going to have a floor already existing, uh, and you probably will not need to build another floor because true, let's true. face it, you you have a you have the ground people can be walking on. It's not something that we need to focus on a lot. However, uh, you said it really well. Your floor needs to be a safe environment for your guests to walk upon. So if you have, at some point, you're on, your guests would be walking over concrete, and then it transitions to uh, like loose river rock, uh, that may be a place where you want to build a wooden floor uh, so, that they're, so you're reducing the tripping hazards there. Especially critical when you have other special effects going on, either fog or strobe lights that uh, reduce your guest visibility, you have to have a safe walkway when they cannot see. So what you're saying is I actually contributed something positive to the construction show? Believe it or not, you did. Thank you. Wow. All right. So I'm phoning the rest in. Fair enough. Okay. At some of our previous haunts, we were dealing with uh, multiple different uh, types of ground. Of course, most of it was... Uh, primarily on a concrete driveway, but at times we went into the side yard, which was grass, and at other times we went into the uh, other side yard, which had rocks. And so we needed a consistent floor across all of that. In order to accomplish that, uh, I used uh, wooden pallets. Pallets are fantastic because nine times out of ten, you can get them for free. 
Check out Craigslist. <laughs> I thought that's where you'd go with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Check out Craigslist and um, type in free wood pallets, and you will find people all over the place trying to get rid of them. All you have to do is go pick them up. You know, with uh, I should also point out on that, just as a safety precaution, when you're entering that into your search engine, I think it's probably best you use quotation marks at the beginning and end of that sentence. That can get you to some, some interesting places. So I just use that. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Another advantage to using wood pallets, uh, because of the space that they use for the forklift tines, uh, that actually gives you a anywhere from three to four inch gap uh, underneath the floor that can allow you to put special effects. I use it for running cables for uh, lighting and audio. Uh, I put fog machine piping underneath so we could have fog coming up underneath from the floor. You can put lighting underneath there to create an eerie effect that way. You got a body parts sticking up through the pallets. It's really uh, versatile. It's it's extremely versatile and giving you that giving yourself that extra space beneath the floor uh, can be really helpful. You've just added an you've just added space for the entire content of your haunted house. Exactly, really exactly, and all so, for free, which is for us really critical. Really <laughs> okay, important. so let me play devil's advocate for a moment here sure. because I'm sure we'll get some listeners asking this question. You know, but guys, wait a sec. If you use pallets and it's especially dark that you're in a hall, it's hard to see, and there are some gaps, especially when people are have sandals. You are correct. Absolutely, there are gaps, and typically those gaps are um, around four inches wide. So what I ended up doing normally was cannibalizing one pallet, using the slats Whoa. from that pallet to fill in the gaps on the ones I was keeping. So I ended up needing double the number of pallets, but that gave me some extra wood that I could use for uh, other parts of construction as well. So at this point, then, you're putting extra wood on there so you can still feed the cables through, use the smoke, body parts, etc. But now you've increased the the safety of it and, the you know, reduce the likelihood of someone getting a, a high heel stuck or a sandal stuck in there and tripping. Exactly, exactly. Um, it may also be worth noting that uh, I put on my rules, uh, the haunted house rules, uh, that appropriate footwear is important and um, that we will not allow people who have uh, footwear that may get stuck uh, to enter certain parts of the haunted house. Yeah, but then I think that's reasonable. And, and that goes back to the crowd control that we've talked about in earlier episodes, uh, and we'll probably and we'll touch on more later as well. Uh, do you like what I did there? Do you like I what did. I did there? I did. Yeah. See, I can broadcast. Uh, a note for our listeners: uh, highly recommend checking out Solar City or a similar type of uh, solar panel producing company. Uh, the pallets we got from them were actually had a solid wood top, so they there did. were no slats. Uh, it was a probably five foot by three and a half foot solid piece of plywood on top of that pallet. So great way to get hold of uh, free plywood as well. Highly recommend checking them out. Yeah. Those, so those were great. Cause you, we've used some in the past and you know, they're all gnarled and you know, barely holding together. And yeah, we don't want those. Those ones are great pallets. Yep. Absolutely. So the other components of your haunted house, you have walls and you have a ceiling. Uh, each of these components lends itself to a specific end goal that you're that you should be trying to accomplish so walls for instance will block your guests visibility it will prevent them from seeing around corners it will hide other parts of the haunts uh, making it very easy for you to uh, keep things a surprise from the people who are approaching from behind additionally it helps block ambient light so uh, like in my instance uh, the house i grew up in had a street light 
uh, two houses away. And that constantly was flooding my yard with ambient light uh, that I had to work into all of my haunts. Why did if you I, not just destroy the light? Because that's it called seems vandalism. so much simpler. That's called vandalism. And I didn't want to go to jail. I, I mean, I doubt they would put you in jail. For eh, it's a matter of opinion. Seems good. But walls would have blocked that ambient light uh, without having to do any vandalism. So I was able to work it in. Uh, you can use walls to block it as well. Additionally, it could potentially uh, reduce wind. So if you are wanting to use uh, a really thick fog or a low-lying fog, those tend to blow away on your outdoor haunts. Uh, but using walls can help contain it and uh, keep that fog concerned. So it will actually build up into a, um, a side-blocking amount of fog. I know on ours, too, as well, because we used a fair amount of special effects with, you know, music or cackling laughter or, you know, things like that, general spooky sounds. It mm -hmm. also kind of echoes around, which makes it a little bit spooky. Absolutely. So, That's a good point. Uh, de again, depending on the type of materials and such that you're using, hmm. uh, you may be able to get those types of... Um, additional benefits. I don't but, know with ours. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the downside to walls, though, is it will not block rain or snow. And so if you have an outdoor <laughs> haunt and you're in one of those areas where uh, snow or where uh, weather can be uh, very not helpful in October, like Colorado, <laughs> uh, I can't even count the number of times I was shoveling snow off my open graves because it decided to snow on Halloween or the day before Halloween. I just – how did you shovel snow off your open grave? Well, I mean it wasn't my open gra grave. It was Wolfgang's <sighs> open grave, but okay, I built it, so mine. Pour some out for Wolfgang. Absolutely. So how do you block the rain or snow? Well, that's where we get into our ceilings. <laughs> there is a catch with ceilings. So it will absolutely block ambient light, especially when combi combined with walls. Uh, if you use both walls and a ceiling, that will give you your greatest amount of control over your environment. All the ambient light will be blocked. Much of the weather will be blocked. Much of the wind will be blocked. Uh, so you will have complete control of your environment, and you can uh, direct your guest's attention using lighting or uh, movement however you want ceilings are hard though you want to you <laughs> yes, have to make are. sure that your ceiling is has no chance of falling on top of your guests uh no matter what kind of conditions you are working with that that would be that would bring up some liability if you know some you know kind of material fell on top of anyone walking through there <laughs> exactly uh last year we were very fortunate uh the weather uh, was very The weather held out for us nicely. It was actually like 60 degrees. It was really nice. Um, and so our roof Global there... Global warming. Right. And so our roof there, we were able to just use uh, black plastic tarps. Uh, and it does, black plastic tarps do a great job of blocking out that light, blocking out the wind. Yeah, winds, they really do. Uh, and they're super light. So even if they fail, they're not going to hurt someone if they fall. Downside, and the other thing that go ahead. Well, you, uh, the other thing is that fits our other, one of our other main themes is they're cheap. They are cheap, exactly. You can get a um, a humongous painter's tarp from Home Depot for uh, less than ten dollars. Yeah, perfect. The downside though is because they're not very strong. If you have any snow, it um, there is no way for it to hold up. It will collapse. 
Yeah, you need so you either need to pick a material that it won't accumulate on, or you need to do your due diligence and just make sure you're shuffling it off. There's really no other. Or did I just ruin that? Did no, I ruin that? No, no, you <laughs> nailed it. I'm pretty high right now. I I know. Okay. Uh, some other legally, options besides legally, medicinally. Thank you, everyone. Medicinally, listening. right? Medicinally. Uh, some other ceiling materials. We talked about the drop cloth. Um, drop cloth can be either. Uh, plastic or uh, some type of canvas. Either one works really well. Uh, tarp, same thing. Of course, you can always build a wooden ceiling. Uh, and my only caution to you there is uh, ensuring that it is supported adequately so that uh, there is no chance of it falling on people. And yeah. then you can avoid this completely by building indoors. So I've, seen, <laughs> I've had a lot of success in the past by... Uh, building my haunt inside a garage, and I see a lot of people do this, uh, where you can set up mobile walls inside the garage, uh, so you're taking advantage of the garage's structural integrity, and only your walls uh, are, for lack of a better word, shoddily built. I mean, yeah, if you can do that, I mean, it cuts down on the workload, it cuts down on the material and the price that you're going to need, and then it obviously negates any liability you may incur with that. Exactly. Downside there, though, is now you're limited drastically in the amount of space you have to work with very true so it, it it also goes kind of goes back to in a way what we had talked about in previous episodes of designing the the way you design it if if for example on on ours i mean we've had um we've had sections of it that were intentionally left without ceilings you know like a a prison yard or you know a cemetery something like that that doesn't require that you can use your your yard for that you know, obviously, you don't have to have any any ceiling for that. So anything you can, if you're working on it, just set your design so that you can maybe use that garage space for the ceiling, and then tool that, just customize it to to make that better use of the garage. Yeah, that's a great point, John. You don't have to use uh, all of these components in every part of the haunt. Um, you can really tailor it to those areas where you need to have really fine control of the ambient light or the weather uh, where you build more and those areas where you do not, you can build less. I got to be honest. That was a pretty, that was a pretty coherent thought for the amount of medication that I'm on. So I'm pretty excited about that. Well done. Right. Right. Okay. Continue. So how are you going to do this? How are you going to actually build these components? Well, uh, I have a few items that a few tools that I recommend that every home haunter have in their basic toolbox for construction and uh as we go through the next few episodes i'll be adding to your basic i'll be adding to this basic toolbox i recommend with other things that i recommend absolutely and for most of those that you're going to go if, for most of those items that you're going to go through um if you need tips on how to hold them which is mostly my specialty just let me know you can hit me up on twitter or i could even mention it at the end of the show it um i, I hold them extremely well most of them some of them i don't I'm adequate. I'm not very good. <laughs> what? I was having the hardest time not laughing to let you just continue on so that I can get all of that in. <laughs> did you like the that? final cut? I did. <laughs> I'm very poor. <laughs> The most basic tool in my toolbox is, of course, my hammer. But my hammer is um, a very rugged one. It is an east wing, and I highly recommend... What? Do not diss on my hammer. You're making it worse. 
I know. The you're... best tool in your toolbox is my hammer, and my hammer is a rugged one. I'm sorry. This is my <laughs> hammer. There are many no, like it, but this one is it. mine. No, stop it. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm Here, done. Here's the thing about my about the hammer, though. Um, <laughs> it's an east wing. It's an east wing claw hammer, uh, and so not only am I using it for building, I'm using it for tearing apart pallets. Um, the nice thing about east wing is it is a solid piece of steel with a handle. Uh, I'll say so it you is. don't have to. I've broken a number of really cheap wooden hammers over the years until I finally got this east wing, which I absolutely adore. I've had it for seven or eight years now, and it just rips everything apart. On an unrelated note, invo- East Wing, you will be receiving an invoice for exactly $1.26. So be, be on the lookout for that. Um, and then, of course, beyond a hammer, you may want a crowbar. Uh, if you're going to be doing ripping a lot, uh, ripping apart a lot of pallets, uh, a crowbar can be very helpful with that. Back to the what also helps it. What also helps is just if you've got like even more so than the than the hammer or the crowbar. If you have like you know an unemployed friend, even better. I have definitely taken advantage of my unemployed friends before. Yeah, there's John. no shame in that. Can't think of a name. <laughs> so beyond the hammer a high quality drill is very important uh, I have a DeWalt which a DeWalt 18 volt which I adore uh, but Black & Decker Ryobi uh, anything can really fill that need if you're looking to get a little more advanced I recommend both a drill and an impact driver the first time I used an impact rent an impact driver uh, I couldn't believe how quickly it drove the nail in not only does it twist but with every twist it's uh it gives it a little uh, a little impact as well which drives the screws in very fast especially if you're dealing with two by fours four by fours anything of that nature uh, the impact driver makes it much much easier uh next tool you need a cutting tool of some kind because how are you going to cut anything a how saw. are you going to make things the right size you need a saw uh, i generally recommend a jigsaw a jigsaw will give you the most flexibility for making curves uh, that you can't do with many other uh, larger saws. Uh, so a jigsaw at a bare minimum, though I also recommend having a good miter saw, either a hand saw or an electric one, uh, to supplement that as well. And then finally, how do you know how big to make something? You have to have some sort of measuring tool. A tape measure is what, of course, I keep on my belt, although I also have a laser tape measure that I really love, which is great for uh, helping us lay out large areas. We can take really quick measurements uh, to see how we're going to fit everything in um, within that space. You love the measuring tool on your belt? I do love the measuring tool on my belt. Okay, just clarifying. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Glad you're okay with that. So a hammer. Oh, I'm not. Oh, I'm fair not. enough. I'm just so a saying. hammer and a crowbar, uh, a good drill, a good jigsaw, and a tape measure. These are the the absolute bare minimum I, I recommend uh, investing good money in. To get a quality tool for these uh, four or five things uh, because it will pay you dividends in the end. All jokes aside, I mean, there's obviously if you're if you're listening to us on this one, you I mean you we want to make a great product, a great haunted house, but at a you know, at a fraction of the cost, but you're going to save so much time and headache and energy with, if you just invest in those, it's going to be so much easier. That is something that's worth the money. So now that we know what we're going to be building, we know the tools that we're going to need to build those. Now we need materials. Where are we going to get the materials to build uh, all these things that we need? 
Through the use of grand larceny. I generally recommend against that. However, I don't it is. I don't, one understand. Option. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> At least make it petty larceny. Okay. All right. That is that is fair. Thank you. All right. I'll, I so I'll that. My, my short answer to where to get materials is anywhere you can. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to preface this. By, well, I'll tell you what. This we'll save it for the end. What, what were you going to say? Let me let me preface this by saying he literally means anywhere. He is <laughs> he the he has no shame. Obviously, I am not the construction. I'm not the construction guy. He obviously knows way more about this than I do. But he has no shame on where he will get the materials. That, that is a true statement. The, I have, there I have is, been a dumpster diver since childhood. Yes, yes, and. It, I mean, like, for example, we're driving by a Target. There's a Spirit next to it. We're just driving along. I don't even remember what we were doing. I don't even think it was Halloween-related. I think it was after Halloween. And, yeah, it was just like, oh, wait a minute. We're going to pull in here and see if they have some good dumpster material. And I did fair. not think – yeah, I thought you were joking. I was like, ha, okay, well, now what? And then we turned, and then all of a sudden it happened. Well, since you bring it up, let's talk about dumpsters for a moment. <laughs> Here's why I love dumpsters. It's free, and that is a really easy way to get free stuff. It sometimes smells, and it sometimes <laughs> is really gross, and I try to, my best to avoid those types of places. However, if you can find a store that's going out of business, uh, um, Radio Shack is the best example I can think of off the top of my head. When Radio Shack started closing their stores, they were dumping a ton of brand-new inventory in their dumpsters um, just – because they had to get rid of it. And so that was a phenomenal way to get hold of a whole bunch of stuff. Not necessarily uh, useful for Halloween, but got hold of a whole bunch of stuff that... Oh, no, I mean, you could get some electronics and stuff that you could use for soundboards and, and things of that yeah, nature. Yeah, exactly. Why am and I even, helping you? <laughs> and even the stuff that I couldn't use directly, I was able to sell on Craigslist and use that money toward Halloween. So, I mean, it all comes back anyway. I'm sorry, ladies. He's taken. <laughs> I should point out, I should throw that out there. No, I'm not, not by me. I'm, yeah, so, and beyond dumpsters, uh, occasionally, and I, I will preface this by saying call first to find out, um, some uh, dumps will allow you to salvage. Not all of them. Some are very strict about their rules there, so make sure you call ahead. But uh, your local dump, your local transfer station, you can often uh, walk in and walk out with free construction materials uh, because it saves them having to put it in the dump. Yeah, I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, you can get some good stuff by doing that. You really can, and <laughs> at a fraction of the cost most at of the it, time. Exactly. So. Um, also, check out your local big box stores, your Walmarts, your Home Depot, your Lowe's, your Targets, uh, things Are like we still that. on the dumpster diving front, I, I should ask? No, so I'm beyond oh, okay. dumpster diving right. now. Although, okay. if you dumpster dive any of those, you will probably walk away with useful <laughs> stuff, just saying. Um, but beyond dumpster diving... <laughs> Uh, go in and talk to the guys who work in their shipping and receiving department because often they will have – there's your pallets. Uh, Home Depot always has uh, wooden crates that they have to get rid of and usually end up throwing away. Heck, just the other day I was in Home Depot and looking for a two-by-four-foot piece of plywood, you know, just uh, a little piece of plywood so that I could make a sign out of it. Uh, and one of the dock workers comes by pushing this four-by-eight sheet of – uh, MDF, 
And he says, hey, what do you need that for? And I was like, well, I'm just going to make a little sign. Well, he's, well, do you want this piece for free? You know, it's damaged here in the corner, uh, and so we can't sell it. Absolutely. Take it down to the shipping, right? and I'll pick it up there. <laughs> you take that all day long. Absolutely. I mean, I got a solid seven-foot piece out of that uh, of all useful material. Oh, yeah, they have – and they have, you know, things that have been warped or – or strewn just cracked things like that that they will just sell you for either free or just at a fraction of the cost that, and that was my next thing with all of those both uh they have the um the discounted wood pile which is usually between 70 and 90 percent off of retail yeah. because it's either uh warped in a weird direction or um uh, has a crack right here and they can't sell it for normal price but there's usually a lot of good material there. So I every time I go into Home Depot, I'm checking out that um, the discounted wood pile. It's usually marked with uh, purple spray paint. You're warped in a weird direction and marked with purple spray paint. You are Sorry, I kept thinking of those, and you were just yeah, – I couldn't – I needed to throw those in. Okay. It's all right. It's all right. So other places, Craigslist. I love Craigslist. Mm. Craigslist is probably my favorite website of all time. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> even that's joking. Just cause, no, I know. It's just – I think that's – it's just that's where I know where you go to find the victim. So that's where I oh, just kind of laugh. Uh, so Craigslist what? free listings. Uh, if you just any given day check out what is listed for free on Craigslist, uh, see what's near you. Every day I'm seeing uh, useful stuff that could be or stuff that could be uh, used for my haunted house. Not just construction materials, but that's a great way to pick up stuff for props as well. Old televisions that you want to um, do stuff to. Great place. Check out Craigslist free listings. Uh, similar to that, Facebook now has a marketplace. Yes, yes. The Facebook marketplace is another out. phenomenal place uh, to find free stuff. And I, I honestly haven't used that as much. Just as just as good. Uh, it it's very. It depends. Geogra- yes. Short answer. Yes, it is definitely just as good. In okay. some geographic locations, it's better. So I'm doing a tally now for who owes us royalties. So now we have Eastwing, we have Facebook, <laughs> we have Home Depot. I'm not going to go into Radio Shack because you're basically stealing from their dumpsters. We're going to let, let that one go. Fair enough. Um, okay. You know what? I th- okay. I think we're good. Yeah. So the thing I like about Facebook, currently I live in Astoria, Oregon. Astoria, Oregon is all the way on the coast, the Pacific coast, <laughs> where the Columbia River beats the Pacific. That corner of Oregon, that's where Astoria is. There is – a town of about 10, a population of about 10,000 people here and nothing else for two hours in any direction. (laughs) So Facebook is really advantageous in that way because it is much more um, geographically centered than Craigslist is. So Craigslist, you have the Portland Craigslist and you have the Oregon Coast Craigslist. Portland is two hours away and Astoria Coast is the entire Pacific Coast from the state of Washington to the state of California. So finding something that happens to be near me is hit or miss on Craigslist. But when I go on Facebook, I can narrow it down to my default is 13 miles. Within 13 miles of Astoria, let's see what is available. Sure. I can't um, do that on Craigslist. No, you, that's fair. Um, another another part. Are you, oh, I should ask you double that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Another another great place where you can find it, where uh, find the material where people are either heavily discounting it or just giving it away, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this, is estate sales. That was my next point. Thank you for leading us right ha! into it. So, so I have been an estate sailor for five years now, and for those who are not familiar – Wait, 
Well, hold on. A state sailor? Yes. Are you saying I sail S A S A L E R or S A I L O R? I'll let you be the judge. I'm going to create a Twitter handle for you like that. Continue. Fair enough. So I've been going to estate sales for the last five years. Um, for those who are not familiar with estate sales, an estate sale is um, what happens after. You can say do, it. It's fine. How do I how do I say this nicely? So after, after someone has just kicked it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> after someone passes after someone passes away, their family has to uh, usually liquidate their belongings in order to pay the estate taxes. And the way that they do that is via estate sales. So an estate sale is a garage sale, except better. Garage sales are the stuff that people <laughs> don't want. Estate sales is everything this person ever owned, or at least owned at the time of their death. And you have to do this in a way that sounds as least uh, the least heartless as you can possibly do. So, I mean, and yeah, so again, we'll, we'll go through, I mean, as at least the ones that I can think of. Kick the bucket, rung down the curtain, dead as a doornail. Um, wow, I can't believe I can only think of those three off the top of my head. Well, if you think of more, just uh, keep throwing them in randomly. I, I will. I will definitely do that. Continue. So, but um, the advantage of estate sales is they are liquidating a, per- liquidating a person's entire set of belongings, not just the stuff that you don't want, like uh, you find at a garage sale. So there is a much wider selection of things available for sale. On top of that, it has to go. So day one of the estate sale, typically, uh, this is true mostly of professional estate sales. I can speak less uh, when there are uh, when a family is running it themselves. But at any time an estate sale company is running it, typically the first day everything will be priced as marked. The second day they will discount it. Uh, most common that I see is a 25% discount. If it goes to a third day, the stuff is usually discounted half off. In the last hour or two of the third day, you will walk away with stuff for dollars, for pennies on the dollar. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there are things. And, you, I mean, wood is a great thing you'll find there. A lot of people, you get the garage. Um, you can find wood. We found a ton of free paint, which was amazing. Yes. That free, we did, yes, that we exactly. Painted. I think we – I don't think we actually purchased a pr- um, any regular priced paint for all of Arkham, which was our biggest – project i think we just yeah we did all of it yeah we got it all, of, all of our paint from estate sales oh, and oh, i was paying literally a dollar for a uh, gallon can of paint yeah yeah bought the farm That's i was buying uh cans of spray paint for 25 cents each but not the farm you shouldn't buy the farm don't buy the farm um buy the, the farm. best thing i can say about estate sales is um we built relationships with uh, the companies that were running these sales. Uh, and so whenever they saw stuff that they knew we would be interested in, wood, paint, those type of construction materials, mm-hmm. they were really good about giving me a call and say, hey, we have the sale uh, here, uh, and it's got all of this stuff. Just thought you would like to know. And um, nine times out of ten, it was exactly the kind of stuff we were looking for, and we were able to pick it up cheap. And this is a, this is a very small tip, but if you have – and when we made these because – just one of them was for this exact reason, um, but the others were sponsorships and whatnot. But if you can get just some very cheap business cards made up, um, which is what we, we've we done, they're great. Hand them out. Just tell them, hey, if you find any material like this, 
you know, if you're just trying to get rid of it, give me a call. It's much better than, you know, writing it on a slip of paper. And I know that's such a small detail, but it can pay off big when you're talking about, you know, trying to do things at, at a reasonable cost. And it's, business cards are great because it is a relatively inexpensive way to advertise in a very professional manner. It's super easy to whip out a business card and hand it to someone, and it looks so much more professional than um, – It really does. Than just scribbling and, on a piece of paper. And you can fi- find them on all kinds of places, uh, Vistaprint, something like that. I think we got ours for what, like fifteen dollars, ten uh, bucks so Vi- for. Yeah, well, Vistaprint is my favorite. I that's what I use for like my actual job business cards as well. And there, uh, I think oh, it runs. Oh, by, um, bite the dust. Bite the dust. Ah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, bite the dust. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue. Yeah, but they, Vistaprint. They so Vistaprint's a great one if you uh, only need a few. Uh, I've gone to like an Office Depot or an Office Max Staples. Sure. They all have a print anywhere that has a print center will uh, would normally do business cards for you. I found Staples, Home Depot, or Staples and Office Depot. Those type stores tend to be more expensive than what I find online. Um, but if I need them now, that's an advantage. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great way for people to remember you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you want to take a? We should probably take a break. You want to take a break? Sure, let's take a break. Okay. Um, so, okay, so at this point, we're going to take a – well, no, let's not do that. We're not actually taking a break. All right, so before we continue, just want to remind everyone, um, we are on almost every platform of social media. So you can uh, – if you have questions that's about the true. show – Wait, wait, wait. That's not true. What? I know we're not, we're not on Instagram. Instagram. I know we're not on Instagram. We're not on that crazy-ass one – There okay. are some crazy ass ones out there now. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and I know. Fine, I'll yeah. go with that. I'll go with Stick that. Stick with it. All right, fine. Maybe I should get us on those. YouTube. <clears throat> okay, I guess YouTube sort of counts. We're on YouTube. Anywho, are we? Yeah. No. We have like one video, but we're on it. Fair enough. Oh yeah. Okay. Also, so at this point, I want to we want to just take a quick break and let everyone know uh, we are on social media. You can reach us on Twitter if you want to ask us a question, tell us um, something about the show if you have any negative or positive feedback, whatever you whatever you want to do. Um, we're at Hunting Univer One. That's Hunting U N I V E R One. Uh, you can reach us there. Seriously, tweet us questions, anything you have. Just just let us know. Uh, okay, what's our Facebook? Our Facebook, yeah, so our Facebook is uh, www.facebook.com slash haunting you. That's haunting and then the letter U. But yeah, we love to hear from we love to hear from you guys. So any questions, comments, ways we can improve the show. Um, if you have questions about specifics, always send us a message. We will reply to it. And check out our uh, Facebook and Twitter feeds because every time we come across uh, a useful like how-to guide or – uh, something oh, like yeah. that. We will post the links on our feed so that everyone can take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because and like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, you know, I know it's, I know this is, we're we're taping this right now in August, but for the amount of time it takes, this is kind of the time where you, you're buckling down trying to get your things done because we are, we're down to less than a hundred days now. That's true. That's true. Uh, on that note, we, I just. <clears throat> Um, this is totally unrelated to construction, but I at least want to give a shout out. Uh, I bumped into a guy named Kenneth Leary who created a blog that he calls Scare Acting 101. Uh, do's oh, and, wow. do's okay. and don'ts for your scare actors at a haunt. Uh, 
absolutely phenomenal resource. There's a link to it on our Facebook page. Highly recommend you check it out. Uh, he put together a great, um, a great thing for both new haunters and experienced haunters alike. Speaking of, of giving shout outs, although this one is more negative and I can't remember his name, so it's neither productive <laughs> nor effective. Fair enough. But, and it's completely self serving. Did we ever get our trophy? We never, we, got, we, we won, never got our trophy. There was a gentleman in, in uh, I think it was Larkspur, Colorado, when you were here, yep. that um, had a contest for dressing up the, the skeleton, dressing up a skeleton the best. And we we won one year and were promised they would put a, either give us a trophy and, and put it up on their, um, just in their pumpkin patch kind of area. And we never got our trophy. We never I'm got still, our trophy. We should, I'm still pretty we upset about that. guy down again. I want my trophy, damn it. I know. I was very proud of that. We earned our, that trophy. Uh, sort of. Sorry. We'll, yeah, with with our skeleton of the Nuggets fan praying for a playoff win. Someday. 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 <laughs> um and we I also want to take this this moment to uh to just glitch in a quick promotion we're running. As um right now this is we are under 100 days to Halloween, so I know a lot of places like us, some of the smaller haunts, want to just get the word out to their community. Hey, we're running a haunted house. Come see us. Um, so right now, we're having a promotion. If you follow the podcast, if you subscribe to it, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. Do us a favor. Do that. Send us a direct message, private message, whatever on whatever platform you prefer, and we'll mention your, your haunt on the show. We'll let you know. We'll let them know, hey, go see you know so-and-so over here at this address. Um, you know, just let us know kind of what the theme is and then where you, what you want us to say, we'll give you a shout out. Absolutely. And, uh, beyond that, we're hoping, not hoping we're going to do a special Halloween episode where we do nothing but talk about some of the haunts that we really like. <laughs> so send us pictures oh, of yeah. your haunted house that we can put up on our Facebook page. Uh, and so we can give you a shout out, um, uh, and help spread the word about your haunt. Because and this is this is going to sound sort of sappy and lame, but that is what to a certain extent what this is it about. Uh, you know, we're we're like minded people. We're you're just about making connections to a certain point. And you know what? We obviously we've done this for a, a number of years and we like what we've done. But we also like seeing what you guys have done. There's a lot of impressive creativity out there. So and you know, what? that's the other thing. Swap ideas, swap stories, you know, and and that's another thing. Get the word out there. So, yeah. Tweet us, subscribe to our progress. I'm so, yeah, all of that in. I hate you. <laughs> so that's the other thing. Tweet us. Did you see the seamless transition between the hate and the plug? Beautiful. So that's the other thing. Just tweet us. Follow us on Facebook. Send us a message. If you can, subscribe to the podcast. We'd love it. We'd love it if you could. And then, again, just send us a message. Tweet at us. Um and we'll we'll mention you on the show. We need the your name, the name of the hunt. If you'd like us to mention the address, um, so that we can sh- give you the shout out that way, we can do that. That way, people can GPS you on on the big night. Um, and yeah, send us photos. We'll we'll put them up. We want to see what you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. So right. I, want, I would like to spend the wait, rest wait, of the wait, wait, fine wait, wait. questions, questions, questions. Let's take two questions. What do you think? Okay, I think you have the first question. Yeah, so uh, one of our listeners asks, what do you do with all the dead space that gets left over in your haunt? And um, That's I, a good I assume question, that actually. when you say dead space, you mean like the space between walls. Um, the way I use my dead space, the space 
uh, between my corridor, between the walls and my corridors, I put actors in there. That way you can have someone actually <laughs> popping out through a wall or uh, using a drop-down uh, window type scare. Uh, you can have body parts taking yeah. through, reaching, grabbing people. Um, that is a phenomenal way to use that dead space that gets left over. Especially because it's unexpected. It, yeah, absolutely. You know? It's it's a good place to throw Rarely that in there. will people be do, trying to complete a hundred percent space accountability in your haunt? They won't be aware that there is dead space <laughs> between this wall and this wall that's unaccounted for, uh, and so they won't be expecting it. Did you just come up with that term, space uh, accountability? Actually, no, it's a law enforcement term. Should have taken credit for. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I gave you the chance. No. Okay, so we've got another question here. It looks like it's regarding trying to. Uh, can spread the word about their haunt. Uh, basically, it's it's looking like here. I'll just read it. Um, we're a small haunted house operation where we just use our front porch, front lawn, and garage in order to make our haunted house. However, we are a small operation when we don't have much budget for much budget. Still, we don't have much of a budget for advertising and marketing campaign. What's a cheap and effective way to get the word out? Um, that that is a good question because you know the. Whether you're doing it for profit or for just for fun, um, you know, the more people, the better, you know, in almost any scenario. Um, so we'll cover that more on our next episode. Um, we're going to go a little bit more in depth of that. So make sure you listen to our next uh, to our next episode. But for a short answer, um, you know, this sounds obvious, but obviously we have our Twitter and our, our Facebook handles. Um, another thing we did was. Um, we would print out flyers and we just we, we set them up um, just kind of in areas of our neighborhood. You go in, you ask the store owners if you can just put this up for a couple of weeks. You'd tell them obviously there's no charge. Most of them are pretty happy to do it for you. You will get some that don't. Uh, but especially in areas like I think we used an, on ours, we very heavily marketed around an outdoor mall, um, especially where there's lots of kids that are going to go trick-or-treating. That's a, that's a good place to do it. Yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, Spirit Halloween was very oh, yes. willing to work with us as well. Yes. Uh, they let us hang up stuff in their stores in exchange for uh, hanging up some of their stuff at our haunt. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, they were very gracious. They were very good good about that, uh, especially which I was almost surprised about since we're a very small operation. But, no, they were they couldn't have been nicer about it. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that's that's what I would recommend, at least for the short version. So Twitter, Facebook, social media, um, and then tune into our next episode. We'll go more in depth on that. Wait, wait. I want to throw one out there real quick. Okay. What I think was the most, uh, the best part of, uh, or the most effective part of our marketing campaign, we set up sandwich boards on the street. I was going to get into that. house that way. I was going to get into that. Wait, are you saying, are you telling me to say that here, or are you saying that on the podcast? No, I just said it. Oh, okay then. Yeah. Right. Oh, do you want me to, okay. Let me... Yeah, that was a but great. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there because you wanted to talk about uh, effective and on a budget sandwich boards. Bang for the buck! I <laughs> oh. don't think you can beat a sandwich board. No, absolutely not. And we can segue that. You know, use some of that extra construction material you have lying around, and just <laughs> make a sandwich board. And it sounds sim- it sounds simple, but you know what? Especially the night of, not everyone's checking Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff for. You know, hey, where's a good haunted house? Not everybody's doing exactly. that. Uh, but the but sandwich you, board was uh, – our yeah. sandwich board was uh, 
you know, just dragging people off the street. Hey, oh, yeah. on a house that way. Let's go check it out. Especially free. Throw that word in there. That will do Throw it. the word free in and people are coming droves. Yeah, it, it worked great. Again, a, a small residential operation. We almost got 400 people to come. So, yep. yeah, it was great. But, yeah, we will definitely tune into our next episode. Uh, we're going to cover that pretty in depth next time. So thanks for the question. Yeah. Uh, so let's take one more question, then we'll get back into construction. Okay. Um, I see people making really neat pneumatic props. How can I learn to do that? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. That is a you question if there ever was one. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> that, uh, that is a very complicated uh, – there's a very complicated answer behind that. Uh, so the best that I can do to answer it very quickly is directly to direct you to my favorite resource. Um, so if you go to www.frightprops.com, F-R-I-G-H-T-P-R-O-P-S.com, frightprops.com, uh, this is one of my favorite uh, resources for um, finding Halloween-related materials. It's one of your favorite what? Resources. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Thanks. Uh, so they sell motors, pneumatics, controllers, uh, video effects, sound and audio, lighting, fog, bubble, snow, scents, uh, costumes, and other stuff as well. Props. Um, so check them out. But most specifically, back to your pneumatic question, if you go to their support center, yeah, you can find it a link right off of their main page. Click on the support center. And then it will take you to uh, d lots and lots of documents about controllers, about pneumatics, about electric motors, uh, linear actuators. Check them out because it is probably one of the best single consolidated sources of uh, haunting knowledge that you can find. Frightprops.com. So should I add them to our invoice list or are we giving them a freebie? Uh, for all that they've given me over the years, I think they get a freebie. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. All right. I would like to spend the rest of the podcast talking about walls. Uh, we talked a little bit about ceilings. We talked a little bit about floors and the advantages that those can give. Uh, but walls are really the meat and potatoes of your haunt. I want to point out so, that the sentence I want to spend the rest of the time talking about walls. That I mean, I'm excited, but I don't know about that. I'm like, I'm stoked. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I, told, I think I told you once I took a one week class on watching paint dry. You did tell me that. You did tell me yeah, that. I thought there, you were... there is so much more to watching paint dry than I ever could have possibly imagined there being. Let me ask you, since we're on this, was it enough? Was it enough to validate you taking the use of your time to do that? Surprisingly, yes. I Continue. Fair, fair enough. Agree to disagree. So, there are a few different ways that you can... Uh, design your walls and it will really go back to again the type of haunt that you're running if say you're doing uh, uh, like a corn maze obviously you're not going to have to construct any walls because the corn is going to take up the walls for you similarly in like a hunted forest type scenario the trees are your walls and so you're just clearing a path through the trees um, that will direct your people direct your guests uh, where they need to go so but beyond that you're going to have to create the wall uh, on your own in some way and there are a couple of different ways to do that. Um, the probably one of the easiest is um, what I call the freestanding or the bookcase wall. That's where you have uh, two frames. Frames are made by either a two by four or uh, a one by two. I highly recommend two by four. It's just stronger. That's it. It's stronger. Uh, <laughs> it's going to uh, hold up better over the years. 
but you take two of these wall, two of these frames, and you can build them in any size. Uh, mine typically are seven feet tall, four feet uh, wide, and you hinge them on two of the long ends together, so that you're uh, so that it can open like a book. The nice thing about the bookcase wall design is they're freestanding. They don't need any kind of support because uh, you're just setting the angle uh, using the hinge, and they'll keep themselves up that way. You can combine multiple of the several of them together um, by putting clamps on the two by fours or else screwing them together. They fold up ne really nicely to store because you just close them up like a book uh, and they all just stack neatly against the wall. That is they, nice. It, it is nice. They tend to be a little bit more expensive because, uh, but if you're able to get the wood for free or sure. really inexpensively, then you're saving your cost that way. So, uh, and the nice thing about the bookcases is you can use both sides of the wall uh, as corridor, mm -hmm. so you can put a single bookcase in between two corridors, um, and it takes the place that one wall takes the place of uh, the wall on both of those sides. Yeah, well, absolutely. Save some time, uh, save some money. Exactly. Alternatively, uh, there's the let's call it the theatrical design. So, like when you're doing theatrical construction, all you're concerned about is one side, and in many cases, for your haunt. Uh, theatrical design is very applicable because you're only having to do it for a couple of days and they're only going to be looking at one side of it. So in that case, you can use an A-frame support. So you have your wall and it's, I'm going to stick with the 2x4 frame again. Uh, and this time you have a 1x6 or a 2x4, excuse me, a 1x2 or a 2x4 coming off at an angle. Uh, from the top of the wall all the way to the ground, and then another 2x4 connecting the bottom of that support back to the wall. Um, so that gives you something that you can lean the wall against. I always put some sort of weight onto that A-frame um, to keep it from tipping forward, especially if a strong gust of wind comes up. But um, <laughs> an e that's a super easy way to uh, support your wall. That is not the way that I did it most recently on Arkham Asylum, though. With Arkham, the wall material we were able to get most commonly and for most cheap was either a laminate from, like, uh, the inside of houses, or, which is basically, uh, like, a quarter-inch plywood, or thicker plywood. So what we ended up doing there, because quarter-inch plywood is very flexible, especially at your seven-foot lengths, uh, there's no way for it to really stand up on its own without some sort of frame. So we used the uh, those pallets like we were talking about to build the floor. Uh, we screwed two by fours onto the sides of the pallet to give us our vertical support and then used more two by fours along the top to uh, basically create your frame. And then we literally hung the uh, quarter inch plywood down from that two by four frame to make all of our walls and just overlapping them a little bit so there was no gap. It was super easy to set up. It really uh, super was. Super easy to store. And the nice thing about that is because you're uh, – it, it was easy to store because it was all quarter-inch plywood. Um, so all of that stacks together in a much more narrow area than the um, – like a bookcase would. Sure. I can, oh, get, I can get 12 or 15 pieces of quarter-inch plywood in the same place – in the same area that I can get one bookcase. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, so that worked out really well for us. Um, and you know, actually, that's a great question. I didn't even think of that. 
So you can tell by the question that I'm going to ask about how much I was involved in the actual, you know, design of the construction process itself. Um, my main task was to hold things. Um, and I'd say that not as a joke. <laughs> that is absolutely true. That, that um, is an accurate statement, yes. That is not a joke in any way. Um, what Did our did our of the house end up being pretty much all the same type of material, the same type of wood, or did it just kind of vary? I actually have no idea. That's fair. Um, because we were um, grabbing free material anywhere we could, I assumed there was a it wide was, variety. Yeah, I assumed it was a bunch, but I had no idea if you were picking and choosing. I, to a little bit, a little bit I was. So I was really grabbing anything I could that was at least seven feet tall okay. uh, and using it. So okay. the vast majority was quarter inch, that quarter inch plywood, just because uh, I had a, I found an estate sale that was that had like fifteen or twenty sheets, uh, and I was able to pick them up at less than a buck a piece. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. So, so that was where the vast majority came from. But I also picked up a whole bunch of MDF at a uh, that's medium density fiberboard. Thank at you. A different estate sale, um, and uh, I even broke down and bought <laughs> uh, some some actual plywood. In, in this case, it was three quarter inch. Uh, <laughs> Plywood, and I wanted that very specifically because that was what I built doors into. So for like our emergency escapes, by getting that really thick plywood, I was able to just put, you know, cut out the shape and then put hinges on it and done. The door was complete. So that has enough um, quarter inch, the three quarter inch plywood has enough structural integrity by itself uh, that we could easily put a door into it. Whereas um, if I used anything else, we would really need to build a frame for the door and all that to be. Uh, much less hidden. It's funny you say that like it's an easy thing. Just the build, cut the door and put the hinge on portion sounds like it's like a ten-hour job to me. But I'm, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> but for me, it's a ten-hour job. For me, it's a ten-hour yeah, job. For me, it's a for me, it's a twenty-minute job. But I mean, and actually, you know, as much as I hate to do it, um, I really said we if we want to get a shout out, you know, Kaoni did a fantastic job. On the construction part, I mean, we were discussing the idea, and obviously, you know, I I was thinking about Arkham and what it would be, and I think it was a good idea. But even with the ideas and stuff that we came up with, none of that leaves the ground without without your construction knowledge. So that's obviously you have to be a little bit practical. So that was a huge help. If, without your designs like that, it wouldn't have gotten off the ground. I, I have to give the the credit to the people who taught me. I did uh, set theatrical set design for four years in college, and uh, what I learned there was very, very applicable to uh, what we were doing with uh, with the haunted house. That being said, uh, just take check the out damn YouTube. compliment. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. What? That being said, um, YouTube was also a great resource mm, for uh, finding ways to do things. Um, you know, everybody has their own twist on how to do things. I, there's a I would have to find it, and so we'll include. I'll, we'll put it on uh, the Facebook feed so that everyone can see it. But there's mm. a great video on how to build uh, bookcase walls. Um, I think the guy there uses plastic to cover the walls, like black plastic. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not in favor of that personally because I wanted something that would stand up to people bumping against it. Um, well, yeah, and and I but think it's an option. It, it is an option. I think for I think that's one of those that would. It it may it depends on what you're doing that would Absolutely. see that that would work because I know with ours you know we're 
let's take Arkham for example. You're wanting to use, or trying to make it an asylum, you know. So we wanted one where the inmates have gotten loose. So you want to, we wanted to put graffiti on there and you know all, all kinds of stuff to make it right, kind of right. fit this thing. So it just with for our specific purposes, it didn't, it wouldn't work. But I can see why it would. Yeah, exactly. The first year I built walls, though, you know what I did? I took ropes, strung up ropes on poles, and then hung tarps from the top of the rope. Yeah, okay. It's, in terms of, you know, what a wall is supposed to accomplish, it blocks the guest vessel yeah, visibility, yeah. it blocks the ambient light, it reduces some of the wind, um, so it was hitting all the points for the walls, but sure. it did not have a whole lot of that structural integrity. And that's and I think that's an important point there too, because when we say, you know, when we say we may you need to make this wall or you need to put a wall here, that can be a broad term. You can do a lot of things to make it easier on yourself and to, like you said, the, if the bags work, they like you said they block the ambient light. That could certainly work. It doesn't have to be a a giant production. Exactly. And although we ended up using wood uh, throughout the entirety of our haunt, there's certainly not. Um, necessarily a need for that. You could do uh, wood only in those locations where you mm-hmm. need extra structural integrity. Uh, again, areas of reduced visibility where people are more likely to be bumping into right. the walls. Um, do that there compared to like um, a wide open area where uh, uh, our morgue, I guess, was a, is a good example. Yeah. Um, a mor- the morgue would have been a great place to have uh, softer walls because the guests were never getting gear enough to the walls for it to matter. And I think it's funny. One thing just occurred to me. Um, if you can, obviously you want to make it as clean and professional looking as you can. Um, I, the first, the first thing you need to do is make it safe, but you, you want to make sure it looks nice and inviting. Um, we had posted some pictures <laughs> Prior to, to Halloween, we had posted some pictures of how it looked and and whatnot. And to be honest, for for us, you know, five or six people just doing the job ourselves, I thought it looked fantastic. I thought it looked wonderful. However, there was one gentleman <laughs> who posted back to us that said, you know what, it looks interesting and I would like to come and see, but what guarantee do I have that I won't get murdered? <laughs> <laughs> and I believe I replied back. It's like, you know what? None. I don't know what's going to happen to you. I, you could be walking up and something. I don't know. I'm not going to guarantee you that. We're probably not going to kill you. Probably. Uh, you could be an axe murderer. How do I know? Fair enough. No Fair guarantees. Enough. No, that's a good point. Thank you for that. Mm. Yeah. So check out our Facebook page. We will be posting a whole bunch of. Uh, links to some of my favorite resources on how to do uh, home haunted construction uh, and that will do a much better job of explaining um, the nuts and bolts, for lack of a better word, of um, putting these pieces together than we could ever do on an audio only mm-hmm. podcast. So come check out our Facebook page, uh, look for these how-to videos that we'll be posting, uh, and I hope that it helps you um, put together your haunt. Okay, I think that is just about going to wrap it up for us um, today, guys. So uh, just a reminder, um, we're on social media on Twitter and Facebook. You can reach us at Twitter at Haunting Univer One. That's Haunting U N I V E R One. You can also reach us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Haunting U with a letter U. And just always questions, comments about the show, anything you like, anything you don't like, send us 
tweets, messages. We'll respond to you. We'll answer any questions you guys have. Um, on that front, again, a quick pr- plug for our promotion. We're doing a featured haunt promotion since we're since we're coming up on Halloween. So um, subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, um, and then send us a direct or a private message with the information for your haunt name, uh, your name, your haunt's name. If you want us to put your address in there, send us some pictures. We'll get your information out there so that you know we spread the word about your haunt. Um, other than that, I think that just about wraps it up. Our next episode is going to be on how to kind of spread the word about your haunt, um, advertising, marketing, using social media to your advantage, uh, and other ways that you can kind of get the word out. Okay. Okay. Right. Thanks for listening, uh, and we look forward to hearing from you on your questions and any other feedback. In the meantime, happy haunting. Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more details on all the clips used in this episode. Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U or on Twitter using the handle at haunting univer one that's haunting U-N-I-V-E-R one. <laughs>